When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Seria Chronicles is a Bayard Chronicles production. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to Syria Chronicles. Uh, it's just me, Nikki, here today, and I am having to improvise a little bit. I'm trying to do this as a voice note, but also record myself on video at the same time using two different devices. So bear with me with the technological side of this, but hopefully, at the very least, you'll get the um, the voice note podcast. Um, it's a very special episode. <laughs> of Syria Chronicles, because it's just me this week and no Mina. Mina's off living her best life in the sunshine on holiday, taking advantage of the international week for Serie A and other club football in Europe. Whereas Muggins here is still at home because I've just had lots of traveling. So I don't need to be anywhere else. And now I've got a dog going crazy at my feet because I don't know what I'm doing. So yes, just me for the podcast this week on a big week in Italian football. So I'm just going to jump right on in. I'm going to start. I mean, I guess you could start with with either of the two big derbies on Sunday night. There was the Rome derby and there was the Derby d'Italia. Both of them, well, maybe neither of them quite as exciting games as we hoped they could be, but certainly both of them quite interesting games with outcomes that, that have a real impact on on the season going forward. But yes, uh, the, the Rome derby, Lazio, of course, one 0 winners. That's the first time since 2011, 2012 they've managed to win both derbies in a Serie A season, and I think this is. Fascinating from so many angles. Of course, those of you who already listened to the voice notes will have heard me on Friday after the Champions League draw and the Europa League draws have been done saying, oh, has Maurizio Sarri misjudged this here? Because all these other Italian clubs have decided to make that commitment to Europe. And you saw Fiorentina, I talked about that a lot on the podcast, Fiorentina, who I've been having 
Nostra season, but they've managed to sort of leverage, I feel like the momentum of their Europa Conference League run into momentum in the league. And you're seeing their results improving in the league week by week. Whereas Sari was the one manager of any of the Italian clubs who kind of just said, look, this isn't my priority. The uh, Europa Conference League, he talked about it in a number of different interviews at different times. And basically just said, look, I, I think other things are important. He actually kind of tried to keep tempering that thought a little bit and saying, look, I'm not saying throw it out completely. I'm not saying there's no value to it. But to me, the league is more important. And specifically ahead of the second league against Alkmaar, he was saying the derby is more important. And in that second league against Alkmaar, he not only um, rotated a number of starters, he also took off starters as the game was going on. I think the big ones, Milinkovic, Savage, Romagnoli and Mattia Zaccagni, taking them all off after about an hour of that game when the, the, the Europa League tie was uh, 3-2 on aggregate to Alkmaar, one all on the night and one goal could have still taken his team through to extra time. But of course, as he saw it, but if we get extra time, then I'm going to let Milinkovic-Savic, Zaccagni, Romagnoli play 120 minutes before the derby. Are you mad? So from his point of view, it wasn't worth it. And they did indeed lose in the Europe Conference League, became the only Italian team yet to be eliminated from Europe. And effectively, he put all his eggs in this derby basket. And look, I can hold my hands up when I'm wrong. I was the one saying, I'm not sure about this. And I did say on that podcast, I think, um, I guess the proof will be in the pudding of, of what happens this weekend. Uh, he put all his eggs in the derby basket and they won the derby. So uh, got the result that he was looking for. Huge vindication for Valencia Sadi and that strategy. And a result that, that has just massive implications for the Champions League race. We now go into this international break. It's always bigger ahead of the international break, isn't it? Because now everyone's got a long time to think about what just happened. But they go into the international break, knowing they're going to head into April, five points ahead of Roma, second in the table, of course, pending Juventus' appeal. Juventus could still go ahead of them if they get their 15-point penalty vacated. But even in that case, they would still be Lazio in a really strong position to qualify for the Champions League, which is something they have done only once in the last 15 years. So a, a huge result for them. And, and vindication for Marizia Sari. It's hard not to sort of frame this in, um, from the perspective of, of the red card for Roger Bagnez after just half an hour of the game, because of course, everything changes with that happening. Would we have got this, would things have played out the way they did if he stays on the pitch? Would Lazio have controlled the game as much as they did? Would Roma have shown more ambition? Because in the first half hour of this game, I, I wouldn't say that Roma were, were dominant. It was kind of a, a scrappy, ugly game already, I felt like, even before that sending off. But once sending off happened, you saw Roma slip very easily into a mode in which I think they are quite instinctively comfortable, which is to say, okay, we're just going to defend. And of course, they did that against Real Sociedad in the Europa League very well on Thursday night. They'd only just done that. In that game, I think they had less than 25% possession against Sociedad and they were able to defend it and hold out and, and get a nil-nil out of it. And I think it was a very natural position for Roma to go to after having Ibanez sent off to, to retreat into that. But of course, then it colours the whole game. And I think that perhaps in that second half, you see vindication for Sarri on, on several levels, not just on the fact that, that his team won the game, but in the way that it happened, because I felt like Roma on 10 men just inevitably tired and, and leading up to that goal by Mattia Zaccagni, there was a series of chances in quick succession. Pedro got in behind the defence on the right. 
Rizal Berto had that swerving shot from outside the box that, that forced Jerry Patricio to, to react well to save. Felipe Anderson had that shot that was actually offside, but certainly required an incredible save from Felipe Patricio. So it, it felt like the moment was coming before it arrived. And then Zakanyi gets the goal. And look, Zakanyi for me is, is such a, uh, I wrote about this in my Guardian column today, such an embodiment of, of Maurizio Sarri's Lazio. I think I've probably talked about this several times on the podcast all year, because it's something that I think is really fundamental to Sarri's Lazio, really. I think if you're looking for one player who embodies Sarismo in this chapter, in this era, it, it is Zakanyi, because they signed him for less than 10 million euros after the year on loan from, from Verona. And he took a player who was really like this free-floating trequartista for Verona. And of course, that's a good player in a small team, classic thing to happen. You just say, right, you do what you need to do because we need you to carry us. Whereas at Lazio, he's been turning something very specific, which is this left winger, inverted left winger, if you will, who's going to come in, uh, cut onto his, onto his right foot so that he can uh, can shoot very reminiscent of Lorenzo Insigne and, and the role that he took on at Napoli under Sari, something we've seen from the manager before, but but done very, very effectively. I think Zakanyi has been brilliant for a while, but clearly this season has taken a step up and Sari has been chiding him for a while saying, look, you've got so much going on in your game, but you don't score enough goals this season. I want you to get to double figures. Well, this was number nine. So Zakanyi needs one more goal to hit that target that Sari set for him. And I, I think he'd be crazy to bet against that happening now because because he's, he's playing really well. He's comfortably, I always think this is a fascinating statistic. Zakanya, this is, it's not the first time he's been near the top of this table. I'd, I'd have to go and check to see if he actually finished top of it last season. But this season, he's comfortably the most fouled player in Serie A, which I think is one of those details that tells you something quite relevant. Like every opponent that they're playing against, Lazio sees him as the threat, sees him as a player they've got to deal with and, and that they struggle to deal with, which is why you end up with him getting fouled so often by defenders. And I think his role in this team, the way he provides a, a threat on that side of the attack, especially this season when Immobile's um, productivity, mostly because of injuries, but I'm sure age is a part of it as well, has, has really tailed off. Gino Immobile has also only scored nine goals in Serie A this season. And that's like had to be picked up somewhere. And Zakanyi has been a big part of it. I think Zakanyi's been brilliant. I think it was really sort of his day together with Sadie's day. Of course, there were the scenes at the end where he's climbing up onto the curva. I was quite worried for him at a certain point. I was worried he wasn't going to get up there. He looked like he was really struggling to get up there. And you thought, God, this is someone you don't want to get hurt in a ridiculous trying to climb up the stands um, scenario. But, but as well as that, there was this beautiful moment with him in the post-game press conferences because it was Father's Day Italy the Sunday. This is I think quite a confusing thing for international listeners because actually in England, um, Sunday was Mother's Day, but all these days have different calendars in different parts of the world. Um, and yes, it was La Festa del Papa in Italy, the Father's Day. And Sakanyi's uh, dad came to his press conference with him and Sakanyi was saying, oh, you know, I, my dad in the weeks you know, said, he, you could see I was quite nervous, quite sort of anxious about the derby and said, you just need to stay calm. You just need to keep your cool and, and do your thing and you'll be okay. And, uh, and his dad grabs him by the arm and says, and you listen to me. And I thought that was just a sweet moment between um, father and son. Nella festa del papà, al papà di Zaccagli non poteva arrivare regalo migliore forse. È stato il più bello che potessi aspettare. Veramente una festa, è stato un bel regalo, veramente. Mattia è dedicato a lui questo gol. Sì, la festa del papà lo dedico a lui. 
la dedico a tutta la mia famiglia che mi è stata, mi è stata sempre vicino e a questo pubblico fantastico. Ma dopo questo gol, arrivato in una partita così anche nervosa e non è stato facile, quanto sta facendo crescere Zaccagni? No, son, son, ho cercato di star più tranquillo possibile, anche perché... Mio papà in settimana mi ha visto nervoso e mi ha detto che dovevo stare tranquillo in campo con gli avversari. L'ha ascoltata? Eh, un pochino sì. <ride> Grazie. Hey gang, just wanted to let you know that you can now get a free 14-day trial of our Chronicles Defosi Patreon membership. Subscribe now for free for 14 days to get access to all of our full episodes, solo minisodes, bonus content, even behind-the-scene bonuses like our chats about football and, of course, our chats about life in general. You can also get the entire bank catalogue of Serie A Chronicles content. So head over to seriachronicles.com forward slash Patreon and subscribe to the Chronicles Fosie membership for free. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lovely um, moment for Sakanyi here. Yes, very much his uh, day in the derby. Very much not Roger Bagnes' day. Roger Bagnes, who's become this sort of figure of disaster for Roma in the derby. Of course, in the first derby this season, it was him who gave the ball away incredibly cheaply inside the box for Felipe Anderson, scored the only goal of that game. There were Lazio fans at this game, I have been all season, it's not new, but um, ever since that derby, there have been Lazio fans going to games wearing Ibanez on a Lazio shirt because he's sort of perceived as helping them more than he does Roma. So Roger Ibanez, who just can't seem to get the feel of these derbies. I, absolutely, for me, two clear yellow cards, stupid uh, challenges to make, especially the second one, of course, when you're already on a yellow. I know some people felt like the first one maybe didn't have to be given and, and sure, you can make a case for a referee in a derby. Could try to not give that first yellow, just to try to keep a lid on things for a bit longer. But he did give it. And once you're on that yellow, that second challenge, you just can't do it. Um, so Ibanez, very much the sort of uh, the, the wrong side, the, the wrong face of Derby, I guess. If, if Zaccagni is the face of Derby for Lazio, then Ibanez and, and his disasters are the, the face of it for, for Roma. And, and look, Roma weren't terrible. Roma, especially sort of right after going that goal behind, they did force a goal. It was disallowed, um, rightly for offside, but they, they sort of were able to still make something happen with set piece. I felt like they had a small window after that where they had some momentum, but, yeah, in the end, I do think tiredness from Europe played its part in this game. Obviously, 
multiplied by the sending off. I, without that sending off, I'll say it again. I, I have no idea how this game goes without that sending off. But with that sending off, tiredness plays a part in it. And, and look, Lazio are, are really good at the back these days. This was their 16th clean sheet in Serie A, which is pretty extraordinary in 27 games. And um, I think that really sort of speaks to the other great part of Maurizio Sarri that we forget about uh, in amongst all the talk of Sarri's small Sarri ball that follows him around and, and the passing triangles. And it was a lovely little passing triangle, by the way, that, that set up uh, Zaccagni for the goal. I can't remember everyone who's involved in it anymore. Certainly Luis Alberto and I think Felipe Anderson and, and one other involved in that little passing triangle on the left-hand side that ends with Anderson just prodding the ball through for Zaccagni to, to make that run in. And we all think about that with Sadi, those passing triangles, but he's also, at the sort of start of his breakthrough into Serie A, was, was reputed as this um, smart defensive coach. And he has, he's, he's got that defense really, really tight. 16 clean sheets, a pretty serious platform when you're trying to just build consistency and qualify for the Champions League. And his team goes, as I said, into April now in position. That's your fifth in the table. They don't concede goals. And they don't have to worry about Europe anymore, for better or worse. Um, would you rather support a team that, that goes for everything, that tries to win in Europe as well? I think no Roma fan would trade back that experience of winning the Europa Conference League, winning the European Trophy as a club that doesn't get to do that very often. And I think that lots of clubs should be envious of winning European competitions. I think there's something telling in Sadi's own comments where his sort of justification for going out to the Europa League was that maybe we're just structurally not built to compete on this many fronts. And it was like, okay, but you're competing right now and said, yeah, to try to qualify for the Champions League. So is the idea to get into the Champions League and, and then abandon it as quickly as you did this. And, and all I can say on that is I hope not. We want to see Italian teams going into Europe and doing what they've done this season and, and impressing us. But those, I guess, are questions for another day. You can only congratulate, can only react to what is happening, not guess the future and, uh, they did a, a brilliant job at the weekend and uh, Sari was rewarded for putting his focus where he did. So congratulations to Lazio. It was, it was not a, it was not a, a, a beautiful derby uh, di Roma. It was not a beautiful derby della capitale. Obviously, Ibanez was, was not the only red card. You had uh, people sent off from both sidelines after that scuffle in the first half. You had Marisic and Cristante sent off at the end of the game for scuffle on the pitch. It was a derby. It was a derby which meant a lot to both teams. It was a derby that I think has done Roma some potentially lasting damage because put the suspensions together with players already missing from that squad and they're going to come back from this international break missing pieces with, with a tricky run to come. I think on paper Lazio's running looks a little bit tougher, but again, that's not the thing that everyone's thinking about right now. Now you go away for international duty, you don't know who's going to come back in what conditions. So we shall see on all of that. Um, but again, congratulations to Lazio on winning the derby. And sorry to poor producer Simon, who has to listen to me do the first 15 minutes of this all about Roma not winning a derby. A tough season for Roma on that front. Uh, especially after, by the way, Mourinho got his digs in early on this one. I said it on the voice note on Thursday. But a um, little cheeky remark after the Thursday night game saying, oh, now UEFA is going to have to pay to fly the Conference League trophy somewhere else. It could have stayed here in Rome. So I think Luis Alberto in particular after this game was uh, hammering the who laughs, laugh, laughs, who laughs, laughs, laughs loudest line saying he was going to enjoy going out. And 
having a glass of wine in the city, which perhaps it will be hard to do for Roma's players the next couple of days. Anyway, enough of that. On to the Derby d'Italia, the next game on Sunday night. Juventus beating Inter 1-0. I mean, just from a spectacle point of view, neither of these two games was wonderful. Neither of them was a joy to watch. Uh, actually, I was enjoying, um, with uh, to go back to the Derby di Roma for one second, I was enjoying Sally um, being really sort of frank about, oh, well, I didn't really know what Mourinho said about us. And in general, Sarri's actually quite like Mourinho. I think he, they actually have quite a similar sense of humour. And I think Sarri laughs along with Mourinho a lot. But he said with the, with the, the Rome derby, actually, I, I'm sad he's not there because he's part of the show. He's part of the spectacle. He used that word, the show. And I think it's, it's, he has an understanding, Sarri, despite not being a showman himself of, of what people enjoy. And uh, I think he's probably right, although we, we certainly got the sort of ill temper that Mourinho has brought all season. And, you know, that's, Mourinho has been sent off three times a season. Oh, there was one more thing I was going to mention. I'm sorry, I will get to Derby Italia. I was going to mention that my sort of just random observation that I made with these games. Mourinho has been sent off three times for Roma this season. But before this suspension, no Roma player had been sent off. Now they've had a player sent off against Sassuolo and they had, if you count Cristante at full time, two players sent off in the derby. Was Mourinho just getting all the red cards for his whole team and now he's absent? That's when everyone else gets sent off. And that way of he does deflect all the attention onto me. Was he doing it with manager, with referees as well and getting all the bad attention onto himself, sucking up those red cards for everybody? Um, just a thought, just a, an idle thought on that. Anyway, no Derby Italia, I promised. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 1-0 to Juventus at San Siro. It's, it's a big win for Juve. And at a sort of significant little landmark here as well. It's the first time they've won both games and kept clean sheets in both games against Inter since the 70s, since 1976-77, according to Opta. It's a big deal, actually. Like You don't see Inter get squashed by Juventus that often this comfortably. And I think that's what was striking for me about this game was how comfortable Juventus were for so much of it. I think really disappointing from Inter not completely without reason to sort of qualify some things from the Inter standpoint. Look, Bastoni and Skriniar injured. It, it's a big difference to that, to that Inter defence when you're, when you're missing really important uh, parts of, of the back line. And, and I think perhaps for that reason, well, not for that reason, but I think it's, it's fair to sort of acknowledge that part of the defensive struggle that Inter had in this game does come down to that, does come down to the state of their defence. Because they, they were really, I feel like I'm, I'm not explaining myself well. So I need, I need me to bounce off sometimes. What I'm trying to get at is there was no great sort of tactical masterpiece on either side in this game. What there was was much better execution from Juventus. Juventus had a clear idea of how they were going to win this game. And I think you saw... A nice sort of blend of some effective high pressing 
at the top of the pitch with Kostic, with Vlaovic, with uh, the guys pushing on from midfield with Rabio and Fagioli pushing on when they needed to. And then really, really solid defending from the back three. I think I was thinking, is this Federico Gatti's best game in the Juventus shirt? And I think that might be me going too far because I think what it really is, is the game that stood out most to me, which is not the same as his best game. I, I can't say that I've paid as much attention to him in every game that he's played as I did in this one. I was watching him a lot because I really felt like once they got the lead Juventus, they were solid as a rock. And look, Bremer's come into that role and, and settled better and better over time. But I thought Gatti in this game was really unflappable. And, I, and there's definitely times of season when he has been very flappable. So perhaps a really encouraging moment for, for him and how he's developing. And it, it just contrasted so much with what I felt like was a lack of decisiveness in Inter's defence. I don't think there was necessarily a, a wrong plan the way they were defending, but it just felt like when they tried to press, everyone was a few steps late whether it was Di Marco stepping up on, on the left-hand side, trying to, to, to create that forward press together with their attackers, because that's what they were trying to do, is use the two fullbacks to sort of alternate pushing up in, in the defence so as in the attacks, so they would take turns to be the one pressing higher, or whether it was Damian. And Damian, of course, is just all over the place in the goal, out of position in the initials at the start of the move when, when they're coming forward, and then gets just completely lost trying to sort of backtrack and cover the line or something when he should be filling, stepping into that space to, to create an aggression, to create a, a point of contact for, for Kostic as, as he gets into the area. Si fa vedere Locatelli, la giocata è più ambiziosa, verticale, Rabiot col petto, poi cerca il velo, ancora a servire Vlaovic, tocco di ritorno, Rabiot, Rabiot, difende il pallone, si propone anche Kostic, palla per lui, si coordina, va col Manzino! E fa 1-0 Juve! Passa la Juve! Ventitresimo! Ha avuto tutto il tempo per organizzare la battuta Mancina e per trovare l'angolo lontano. Vantaggio bianconero a metà primo tempo. Kostic has way too much time to have that shot and that's Damian needs to be there closing that down. So it, I just felt like execution was the big difference defensively between these two teams. I think Inter were a step slow all game. And again, maybe it's tiredness, right? Maybe this is the same discourse that we're having with Lazio and, and Roma. Maybe this team's just played too many games, or at least some players have. But Dumfries had a, had a nightmare and, and I think has really not had a brilliant season, but it feels like it's got worse and worse since the World Cup. And again, maybe it's just tiredness, but really looks at this point like Inter missed their moment when there was at least a bit of buzz around him after the World Cup, even though it was an imperfect World Cup, honestly to try to, to find a, a buyer, but not a good game for him at all. By contrast, I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself with the events because I think they're still also really imperfect. I think there's still a lot there that isn't great. But I think this was a game where I watched it and thought, well, I, I get the ideas. I get, I get the sort of the structure of it. And I think that midfield three with Locatelli, Rabiot and Fagioli, the idea is really... The same idea is if you want to go back to like past successful Juventus teams and, and structures that, that we've known um, from better days, it, it's, it's just exactly the same thing as having that sort of classic regista in the middle and Andrea Pirlo once upon a time. And to be clear, I'm not saying it's on the same quality level. I'm not talking about the quality being the same, but Pirlo in the middle, when he had Pogba and Marchesio, for instance, running either side of him as he's too true mezzale. That's what it looked like at times with, with Rabiot and with, um, and with Fagioli making those runs and then Kostic in front almost as a, 
as a Carlos Tevez type second striker who's dropping deep and, and making that blend between the midfield and the attack. It, structurally, it, it kind of worked. And it, I think it works actually because one player in particular is very effective at the moment, and that is Rabio. Rabio is so, so effective right now. He's incredibly lucky. I don't know what invisibility potion he's got that allows him to handle the ball when no one else can. You know, a week ago when we were talking about a handball from him leading into a goal, and I thought, well, look, it, it looks like a handball to me, but I can understand from the referee standpoint, if you're looking for the, or for the VAR standpoint, if you're looking for the sort of incontrovertible evidence to overturn a referee's decision, maybe it's not there. Maybe most of us would have given this on first glance but because no one did. Maybe I can see it. This one, I, I don't understand at all, honestly. I, I, I cannot personally fathom how the VAR booth did not see a handball from Rabiot as he brings the ball down in the build up to goal. Because to me, it's clear as day. I, I don't think you need a million camera angles. There's any one of a number would tell you that he, that ball strikes his arm and not just strikes his arm, but, but that arm helps him to control the ball. And it's not sort of accusing him of a great wrongdoing. I'm not suggesting that it's something awful from what he did. He's playing the game and, and, and acting in real time and you can only play to the whistle and then play to what VAR does afterwards. But I, I do have sympathy with, with Inter for the anger at, at that fact at the fact that that goal stands when it clearly shouldn't it's it's absolutely a handball and um as lovely as the movement is as lovely as Kostic's run is as bad as defending is from Damien it's a handball and so the goal shouldn't stand if it doesn't stand perhaps you get a different game out of it so I think we can say all of that and then also sort of put that to one side and say Inter were not good uh especially sort of after conceding that goal, especially in the second half, Juventus became much more sort of passive, much more defensive minded, weren't trying to make the breaks forward they were in the first half. And Inter didn't do anything with it. I felt like there was so much sort of lack of inspiration in their movement, a lot of side to side passing that wasn't going anywhere. I think Brozovic doesn't, just does not look like he's got that vigor to him that he has at his best. And then Inzaghi takes off Barella, who's the one player who is making something happen, who does make those diagonal runs across the, the, the formation effectively that, that a couple of times do open up opportunities for, for him mostly to shoot. And I know we've talked about it so many times, Inzaghi and his sort of anxiety about yellow cards and taking off players who are on bookings. But I think in this game that you need to win, you can't take off your best player. You can't take off your one player who might make something happen. I actually wonder if, if I also think he shouldn't have taken off Lukaku. Lukaku's imperfect, but at least he has, I certainly sort of, fit, I feel like his, his fitness just isn't where it needs to be. But, but I still felt like as long as he was on the pitch, he carried a certain menace, he carried a certain threat. And, and when he was off, that threat was diminished. So I, I did feel like this was a game where Inzaghi got his changes wrong. And I think that's, that's a big part of this story as well. I think overall, my feeling is two things are true. I think it's, a scandalous refereeing decision and it should be a handball and the goal shouldn't stand. And I think also Juventus were the better team and Inter weren't good enough. And those two things can be true at the same time, I guess. I, I want to correct myself on something I said earlier. I, I, I'm sort of, I can't go back and check myself. This is what happens when you're recording without a producer and without your teammate, without Mina here to, to keep an eye on me. I have a feeling I said Costage behind the attack for Juventus. I meant Sule, of course. Sule had a, a really sort of 
solid game, I thought, in that role behind the attack as the Carlos Tevez type. And uh, yeah, I, I think uh, interesting times for that Juventus team, working some things out for itself, growing into something different, but I think some promising things in amongst it. It's far from perfect, but just purely on points, taking away the points penalty. So let's just talk about performance rather than whether or not the, the points penalty is merited, which is a whole different conversation. But just performance this team on the pitch, it would be second without that points penalty. It would still be nowhere near Napoli. No one's close to Napoli. But Juventus, I think, are showing more consistency than any of these um, other teams at the top are. Than Inter, for sure. Than Milan, who we'll get to. Than Roma, who I had have had high hopes for at time season. Even than Lazio, who are, are doing a lot of things right. So some credit to Allegri after everything that hasn't been great this season. I think he's got some things working better. And yes, among the positives this game, I like the shape of the midfield. I liked Federico Gatti's performance particularly. And, and Bremer's really grown into that role at the back as well. So uh, chapeau to Allegri and to Juventus. And at the same time, full understanding and empathy with Inzaghi being furious as he was at full time about that um, goal, because I don't get it. I don't get how VAR can, can award that goal. I just don't. Finisce qui, finisce con la vittoria della Juve 1-0 con gol di Kostic e con un finale adesso con qualche scintilla. But we just mentioned them there. Let's talk about Napoli. Another big win for them. 4-0 away to Torino. Sports Social Podcast Network.